Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football podcast. I'm John DeCarlo, the editor of Valscoop.com, joined here by my co-host Adam DeMichael, former Temple quarterback and Temple assistant coach. We are happy and thrilled to be back for a second season of the Believe in Temple Football podcast. Just a, a quick reminder uh, to our listeners again that the Believe in Temple Football podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports betting information from live in-game betting props and futures. So you can head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. You can use our promo code Believe50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V 5 0, B L E A V in all caps. Uh, bet Online, where the game starts. So, again, happy to get started with you guys. Adam, it's been a while, buddy. Been a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. summer. How you doing? Back to uh, the season two, man. It's good stuff. I'm, um, I'm anxious to see. Uh... With training camp starting, obviously NFL has, has started. I'm sure you guys done some things, seen some videos on some teams. Um, quick note: uh, obviously Temple has the most group of five guys in the NFL training camps this season, which is obviously pretty cool. Yeah. Being, you know what I mean, the alma mater, and you know just just seeing how many guys that are in the NFL from Temple, no matter what team they're playing on, because everyone thinks that they're all on the Carolina Panthers, but that's really not the case. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm excited for for training camp, man. I know the. I was just working with a couple guys, even high school kids now, you know what I mean, that I'm training. They got this week off, and it's like, you know, back to it next week. So it's it's pretty cool, you know. The pros, the college guys, now even the high school kids are just getting getting ready to to go all out and, you know, everyone's trying to win a championship. Yeah, what's uh, bring us up to speed on what's new with the Michael Brothers performance. You guys just had a, a youth football camp back on July 17th at my buddy Todd Price's high school, Montour High School. Uh, how's how's the business growing? It looks like you guys are, are staying pretty busy. We are, man. I, I think in the summer, guys are on vacation. Kids are playing travel baseball, AAU basketball, seven-on-sevens. But we've had a pretty consistent group of guys. And, um, you know, I guess sometimes – I don't know if it's just just who I am, but I always want things to be better. I want things to be bigger. I want them to be the best. And then you know, you know, my brothers kind of try to bring me back down to to earth and say, hey, "Listen, like we're going on almost a year now." You know what I mean? Like just yesterday was the 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 day that I moved from Philly and you know leaving Temple to come back to to Pittsburgh. So that was my uh, one year reunion of that, and then I come back to do this, and it's been really rewarding. As you just mentioned, you know, we had that that youth football camp, the free youth football camp at Montour, we had over a hundred guys and it was super fun. I mean, I think next year we probably won't bring the five-year-olds because they're pretty much just eating the grass and <laughs> uh, chasing me, trying to get me on, trying to get onto my TikTok and Instagram account. <laughs> um, but it's pretty rewarding being able to give back and continue to make an impact <clears throat> at whatever level. Um, you know what I mean? Who knows? You know, I knew some of those kids, some of the kids that I was, you know, had, had a chance to come to the camp were, kids of you know my friends that you know I, I grew up with 
mm-hmm. and kids I went to school with. And then, you know, we had a bunch of uh, Montour pl- high school players there and kids that we trained helping out. So, you know, the kids always like that. They'd rather see the kids in the jerseys than see me and my brothers. You know, I mean, they really don't know who we are. We're just ones yelling at them to be quiet and, hey, you go over here, you go over there. Um, the business is going well, man. I appreciate you asking, and um, you know, we're just going to continue to, to to try and get better, man. And whatever that may be, um, if anyone has any advice, let me know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm having a lot of fun. I really am. I think uh, being back home has helped my boys, mm-hmm. you know, being around family a little more. So um, it's been good, though, brother. That's good. That's good. We have uh, we've had a little bit of a hiatus over the summer just to kind of uh, catch our breath with everything. And uh, before we progress with the podcast, I just wanted to pay a quick, a quick tribute to my father. Uh, I think I might have mentioned on some previous episodes that my dad had been battling a rare stage four sarcoma cancer. And there's so many different types of sarcoma cancers. And he got one that affects only 2% of the population. And unfortunately, he got it and he just just fought his butt off with it. And it finally uh, caught up with him. He passed away on, on July 6th at the age of 74. And uh, he was just an incredible human being, a, a wonderful man and miss him dearly. And um, even though we knew it was progressing, you're never fully, fully prepared for it. And I know so many of you listening have been affected, unfortunately, by cancer, just been, you know, affected by your own losses. And um you know, it's kind of a day by day thing, but my dad was awesome. He, he went to Drexel. He graduated from Drexel, but he became a big temple sports fan over the years. Adam, he used to ask about you a few times. It's he'd ask when he would ask about somebody he'd say, how's your buddy so-and-so doing, whether it was Matt rule or anybody. And, and I remember him, you know, being excited when you got the, the camp invite to the Eagles and, um, and, uh, yeah, he was just incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I the, a lot of the students that I work with at Temple, whether I'm teaching them or whether I'm working with them at our student media outlets, a lot of times when you're teaching people to write, you tell them to not write in cliches and use cliches. And I've just become a walking cliche because people ask you how you're doing. <laughs> and, and it's just all the stuff that you would think of day at a time, honoring memories and stuff like that. But, um, but I just wanted to say a quick thank you to him and tell him I love him and if there is a heaven, I'm sure he's in it and maybe he's listening. I used to try to explain to him what a podcast was and, uh, uh, <laughs> whether it was this one or the one I do with Al scoop with the scoop. And, uh, he was just incredible. We'll, we'll, we'll miss him dearly. And, um, a lot of you who, who do listen have reached out and made donations to the sarcoma foundation of America or, or St. Jude's where, where my dad, uh, had a soft spot for them and they do incredible work. So, and, uh, to those of you who are, um, you know, going through this and, and have a family member who is sick with cancer. Uh, you know, I'm not going to break any news for you. I'm not going to say anything that sounds like sage wisdom, but gosh, just spend as much time with them as you can and, and treasure the memories. Cause, uh, you know, you always feel like you, you could have done more and could have spent more time, but it's, uh, it's a fragile thing. And, uh, I mean, Adam, I'm, I'm, glad that you were able to 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 get out to pittsburgh and spend more time around your family because i know how incredible they are to you and how how tight of a family you guys are and and so many people around pittsburgh just know you guys and appreciate you guys and just it warms my heart to know that that you're out there now and spending time with them so didn't want to get too sentimental i'm glad i got through this without (laughs) breaking down and uh and crying but just wanted to 
pay my dad a tribute, John Anthony DiCarlo, and probably got cheated a solid 10 or 15 years out of more life, but I love him and miss him. And uh, again, hopefully uh, all of you out there who are going through this, you can find some strength in it. And, uh, uh, but thanks for letting me just mention him briefly there and uh, be thinking about him. Yeah. Well said, well said, brother. Yeah. Be thinking about him during the football season because we used to talk about that a lot. Maybe he would text me after a temple game or, after an Eagles game, he was, he was one of his, I was telling Jimmy Fennerty this on the, the podcast that we do for Al Scoop, and he's a, an assistant basketball coach at Temple. My dad, I don't know if it's just an older guy thing. He would always, if Temple was always winning big, he'd say, why, why are the starters still in the game? <laughs> Adam to Michael out of there, get PJ Walker out of there, yeah. get hurt, you know? So get him out. out. That's I, great. I would have to explain to him, Dad, it's a, it's a fragile game. Things can turn quickly. So, uh, yeah, you ain't lying, man. That, that's the truth. That's awesome, man. That's a very well said. And I'm sure he's he's awfully proud of you, bro. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, we've got a lot of cool stuff to, to get to today. We've got some audio for you, a couple of audio clips for you a little bit later in the pod. Temple did host its its first media day. Well, I guess only media day of the season, but first media availability for us with this, this new group. Got to talk to some players. Um, and also, too, I thought it'd be cool to have Adam look back. You know, yesterday, Adam, you tweeted out a picture of that that first position group that you worked with when you were named uh Temple's wide receivers coach back in 2014. And you know, you had some talented players in that group. You had two single digit guys, Jalen Fitzpatrick and John Christopher, two guys who probably, you know, maybe don't get enough credit for like what they did, the number of clutch catches they had. Um, I think Nate Harrison was still a wide out in that group before he went on yeah. to uh, uh, become a cornerback. Right. And then yet a, yeah. a young Ventel Bryant in that group too. Um, and again, like so many of those guys, whether I, I get the chance to talk to them or whether they just are chiming in on social media with you, you, you affected a, a lot of lives in that group. What do you, what do you think of before we get into like the nuts and bolts of previewing this team? What, what do you think of when you look back at that at group and uh, and coaching them? Yeah, it was a um, it was a strange year, but probably the most uh, the most rewarding year that I've ever had coaching. Um, those guys were phenomenal. I mean, like if I didn't have that group, you know, the Jalen's, the, the JCs, you know, brought young Broderick Yancey. As I'm looking at the picture mm-hmm. on my phone now. Um, you know, I was just talking to you know, Zach Banbury, who was a walk-on special teamer for us. You know, Tom Bradway, another walk-on special teamer now, uh, special team guy. Now he's a um, – just got married, NFL, right? Got married. He's in the NFL scouting world. Yeah. You know, he just moved on from the Ra- just moved on from the Raiders. He might be with the Jets or the Giants. Now. I forget who it is exactly. Maybe in Chicago. I'm looking at you know, Ramon Deloach, and I still talk to Ventel and – I'm looking, you know, Brandon Shippen, um, you know, guys that, you know, went on to play in the league, guys that are coaching uh, college football, guys that are, um, you know, just very successful young young men right now. And that's what makes me the most proud because, you know, I couldn't have even survived that year because it was a hectic year, you know, teaching a position that you didn't necessarily play and you didn't have the, not, you know, I didn't know the X, the, the insides and outs. Um, you know, but I got a little bit of help, but those guys were phenomenal and just kind of, they were just, you know, I was the coach, but at the same time, it was like, Hey, I was asking some questions to seeing some things that they knew and some things that they liked and what they didn't like. Um, but that's just a, a special group of kids that I don't think none of them dudes ever got enough credit for the year that they had, you know, cause we weren't, you know, overly successful, but you know, those guys came and if you'd like watch the tape and I put this, on anything that I love right now, those dudes played the hardest out of any position group that we had that year. 
and they were just, you know, playing on, you know, hurt ankles and shoulders and, you know, they were blocking their tails off. And that was the funnest part. Um, just being able to see those guys grow. And then, like I said, you know, some of the guys left after that year, you know, moved on and, and some of those guys, you know, went into the NFL and played in CFL and are doing successful things as, you know, parents and fathers. And, and that's the best part about it, y'all. So as you look back, I mean, I was going through an, the iPad, one of the old iPads. And I'm like, look at this picture, man. Mm-hmm. And it just something just hit me. Cause I see, I follow all those guys, you know, need to do on social media. I'm like, let me just, you know, tell these guys how much, you know, you, you do appreciate them, even though that was a long time ago, maybe, you know, you didn't have the chance to do it. So now you just post that little picture and, you know, it brings back some memories of some things, you know what I mean? A couple of guys hit me back and we're like, Hey, listen, that was the best time of our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that's what's special about college football and coaching and, you know, doing that kind of thing. You, you said something that keyed off another question in my mind, and it's obviously not uncommon for any person to coach a, a position in college football or the NFL that they didn't play, but you know, how this might sound like something that you get asked about a lot, but as a former quarterback, how much did that knowledge help you? Like when you're working with those guys and saying, okay, I played in college. I, you know, got a cup of coffee in with the Eagles and got to go to a training camp. Um, I know where I need a guy to be when I'm anticipating a throw and stuff like that. How much did that, how much did you bring that into your coaching? That was ideal. Um, Not necessarily during the drill portion, but during practice, you know, we were going such a high pace, John, that like if a guy did, have a misassignment or, you know, mess up. It's like you couldn't go up to him and fix it right there because we were on to the next play. So yeah, when you watch the tape of the practice and, you know, you watch the stuff beforehand or the tape leading up to the, to the game, you know, during the week, that's where I think my quarterback mindset and, you know, the position that I played in college and know all about really came into play because I could tell the guys like, Hey, listen, like this is what this quarterback is looking at. I know some receiver coaches do think that way. But some really don't know, you know, they can sit there and listen to an offensive coordinator and be like, hey, we're going to go here versus one high, here versus two. But there's no intricacies of, of why. There's no whys of, you know, what, what the heck's supposed to be going on here at quarterback. I think that was where it really came into play when you were watching the tape. Um, you know, but I, did, I, had a, I had a good um, had a good guy in Marcus Satterfield who was a receiver guy, and he was able to kind of guide me and help me along the way. RGA, Derek Carr, who's, you know, a successful football coach down in Milan, Tennessee now. And he, yeah. he their whole family basically coaches everything. So yeah. you know, his, his wife's the volleyball coach. He's the, the football coach, the women's soft. I mean, they're doing everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he was, uh, you know, RGA and he was just phenomenal in helping. And I had a chance to work with Damir Shaw, who came from the defensive side. We kind of plucked him away and he wanted to get more involved. That's why he wasn't able to play anymore. And now he's a, I just saw him tweet something about like, you know, top 30, under 30 on ESPN, you know, rising coaches. Yeah. And they mentioned his name. So it's pretty cool just, you know, you having that help and that assistance because obviously you're dealing with, you saw the picture, there's 18 guys in that picture. And there's, yeah. you know, one me. So, you know, you need a little bit of help and guidance. And you know, I was lucky enough to have those guys. Yeah. So now here we are in 2022. And now this is Stan Drayton's first season at Temple as a first year head coach after a, a long career as a, as a, primarily a running backs coach. And, and those of you who follow the program know he came from Texas. He's been in places like, like Villanova where he recruited Brian Westbrook and he spent some time at Ohio state as well. Coached people like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Carlos Hyde, some great backs, B. John Robinson, most recently at Texas, who's probably a 
unless he gets hurt, probably a surefire first round pick in, in next year's draft. And so now Temple is, um, again, heading into preseason camp. Their first preseason practice is this Thursday. Adam and I are recording this on Monday afternoon. And Temple is opening its season Friday, September 2nd at Duke at 7.30 p.m. down there. That game's going to air on the ACC network. So for us as reporters, our next media availability will come this Friday when we get Stan and his coordinators, Danny Langsdorf, the offensive coordinator, DJ Elliott, and Adam Shire, the special teams coach. Again, as I mentioned before, we had uh, media day last Thursday, play a couple clips for you from that session in a few minutes. But Adam, you know, taking you back again to your coaching days, you remember what what this is like so what's a what's a coach's schedule like during preseason <laughs> camp when you when do you i know every every coach is different but yep. you know, if you're doing it right it's 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 a grind and you're coming off maybe some vacation time but what's it like when do you get into the building when do you leave what what how does life change for you as a coach when that calendar turns to late july and early august i think if if, if you follow or you see any coaches wives they know that you know come august and you know beginning of august it's like hey we won't see you and the kids anymore unless obviously, you know, the coaches, they allow the families, you see the pictures of, you know, coaches, families coming to practice for an hour or whatever it might be. You know, some coaches differ and they had like a Sunday family dinner during the season or during camp with, with role and, and coach Collins, you know, then, you know, with, with, with Rod, we went to like his house on Mondays. Um, so each coach is different, but I mean, you're talking six o'clock in the morning and you're probably not getting home until 10 PM. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When things are really rolling and there might be some times, like I said, they're going, they went to the Phillies games or they're going to the Philly game. You might get out of there at seven or if you're, you know what I mean? If the night before camp, you know, I was just talking to somebody and, you know, the coach is taking all the staff out to go to a golf outing at a different school, different university, but the schedule's hectic, John. I mean, it's, I, you probably saw something, even our team tweeting out, someone posted the schedule of someone at training camp and it was just mm-hmm. like 6 a.m., like the players rarely, like whenever I was there, we didn't leave. Like we used to sleep in the locker room in between meetings, in between lifts, in between workouts, in between, you know, training room sessions. You know, might we might have walked back to Whitehall if we were allowed, but there were no cars, no kid, nobody drove. Or one time we all went to Walmart and bought um mountain bikes. There was like 48 mountain bikes, mm-hmm. blue mountain bikes. They were like $99 at the time. And everyone just bought them and just dudes were just driving around campus on the bikes. <laughs> um but the schedule is hectic. It's like nothing else. Um, but it does differ between, you know, whoever that head coach is and not necessarily what's most important to them, but what's worked for them. You know what I mean? Wherever, they, wherever they've been in their past. Cause I know Matt, excuse me, would alter from the year one until, you know, he ended up leaving. Things were totally different. I mean, when we had a little success, you give guys not necessarily a little bit of leeway, John, but Hey, a little more time to maybe, Hey, tomorrow text us at like eight and be like hey come in at 11 take your kids to blah 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 so you know that's pretty much that's a long-winded answer and it's something that you know if i i, I actually have a, uh, one of our playbooks and it has the whole camp schedule and i was showing mm-hmm. some of our kids i'm training like just so you know you think you can sleep until 11 o'clock right now and look at the schedule and i pour it open they're like wow i remember seeing that the first time and i was listening they're like Is this what i'm getting into but you know, when I had my my son, that's when I was like, ah, man, this kind of stinks. Because, you know, you're away, you're missing a full month, and a lot of crap yeah. happens in a month. So, How much did playing for Al prepare you for that nonstop grind? Because, again, with, like the, the I've heard you tell stories, anybody I talked to, because Al had so much to clean up. It was not like he was walking into a, 
a plush situation. And I don't even know that even if he was walking into a much better situation that he would all, all of a sudden be kicking his feet up, but there was so much to do, so much work to do, so much culture building to do. You came in, you were a big part of that as a player at the time. When you get into it as a coach, is there some part of that that you take as a player? We can be like, all right, I know what it truly takes to be good. And I know what it takes to kind of balance this out, even if it's tough. Did that kind of help prepare you for coaching or is it a totally different beast when you're on the other side of it? No, it's a little bit, it's a mixture of both. Um, I, I remember as a player and being in there with when, when Matt Rule was our quarterback coach and then be like nine 30 and we're in a quarterback meeting and it's dark in the room. You haven't seen the light of day since practice was over. Yeah. And you're like, you know, you don't really necessarily know if we had freaking cell phones back then, John, but like, you're like, <laughs> what is this? Who, when is this horn going to go off? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're just thinking like, okay, here's the horn. Now you walk from, you know, 10th and diamond up to Whitehall and they have snack up there and you mm-hmm. wait in line for 10, 15 minutes. And then next thing you know, the lights are out at 11 and you're basically getting in your room at 11 and you're up at six the next morning, five 30 next morning. But I mean, when you learn from Alice, like, Hey, listen, he had one goal in mind and he knew that it was a, it was a big, big time change up that he needed to do he, like you mentioned that the culture was you know i mean it wasn't it wasn't in a good spot and he needed to put the work in the staff needed to put the work in and the players needed to put the work in to change that so whatever it took he took there were no ah, let's give him an extra hour today to sleep in without that i remember it was hey this is the schedule this is what we're doing this is why we're doing it if you want to be great at something you have to put in the effort in the work. And I mean, whenever I got into coaching, you know, that I took some of that with me. I think obviously Matt had that, you know, kind of instilled in who he is because that dude wants to be great and wanted to be the best at what he did. So it kind of clicked for me. Like, all right, I did it with Al. Matt might not want to be exactly like Al. But I know there's going to be some similarities and, you know, there were. Because, um, you know, when Matt got there, this culture was a little off and he had to fix a few things there as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, what it's like for, a new staff. I mean, you've been part of that transition. You know what it's like for new staff when they're uh, like they're bouncing out the install of new offense, new defense, even new looks on special teams and ramping things up. How do you if you could take listeners through that? What's that like when you're bringing in um, at a place like Temple where like, yes, you want to maintain there's the culture piece of it, the Temple tough piece of it. And fans have talked about that a lot, but a new coach is going to bring in new schemes and, and new coordinators, period. Right. How do you guys as a staff balance out? How have you seen that work where you're looking at players and saying, okay, like, is there a, like a turning point in camp where you're saying to the players, okay, not that you've had enough of install, but like, okay, now here's where we need you to turn the corner. What is that like? And when do you kind of expect and hope the players will will turn the corner on absorbing it. I mean, obviously it's great if it happens within the first few practices, but I'm sure yeah, that'd be nice, not, right? Not a thing. Yeah, it's I think I think, you know, we kind of touched on it a few a few uh episodes back just slightly when we were talking about like the installs during spring ball. Yeah. Because I've been in some on some staffs, you know, in a years, a couple of years maybe, where we said, okay, this is the install for spring ball. And we would relate to the players like, hey, listen, this is going to be the same word of, of the spring uh, of the install come fall camp. So what you're doing right now, you're going to have a chance to do it now. And then obviously through the summer when coaches are on breaks, the staff has them and they're doing those kind of installs, you know, on their own, you know, they're going to do seven on sevens. They're going to, so they're going to install it in spring ball. They're going to install it during summer camp or summer training, whatever it is, but those six weeks where the staff's away, you know, cause those guys make, those guys make um, 
install tapes for them to watch in the summer. Like this is, Hey, this is week two. This is week one. Dewan, you take the quarterbacks and this is what you're going to watch. And then when you go outside after this, these are the routes you're going to throw. And then when you get into seven on seven, these are the concepts that you're going to throw. So you did it in spring ball. You did it in summer camp. Now fall camps here. This is how we're going to start is, and now obviously things change if, you know, when you're in spring ball and they struggle running inside zone and they can't do it or they struggle running any kind of power gap scheme stuff or they're better with their offensive line running, running some outside zones. Like, okay, what are we good at? And, you know, you kind of throw away some things maybe, you know what I mean? And not have so many things in the tool, in the toolbox. Um, and then, like I said, you get the summer, you know, you get a couple of new players. Does something change? You know, we got a couple of different transfers, some speed guys. You know, I mean, things change. You got a new quarterback. The things change. You know, I mean, do we add a couple more run games to the, you know, to the to run some a uh, couple more quarterback run games to the install? Do we do some things like that with, with Quincy there? And then you get the fall camp. And it's like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. First week, and like, what's hot? What's good? What's not? Are we banged up? You know, things change when you get banged up. You know, what I mean, when injuries start happening. So, um, it's all relative, man. You know, what I mean, just kind of just I don't want to say you play it by ear, but you see what's working. You see how the players are responding to what you're doing. And like I mentioned before, sometimes you got to slow it down and sometimes you got to speed it up to see who can um, react and who can perform when there's a lot of stuff on their uh, on their quarterback wristband, you know what I mean, with 125 plays or is there one with you're only going to be able to run 40 plays a game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, as I mentioned, media day was last Thursday, so stand right and spoke and you can listen to – all the audio of all that stuff. If you go to alscoop.com, we have the audio from media day from Stan Drayton, Zach Gill on the defensive line at nose tackle, uh, Adam Klein, who's back for a fifth season. He's going to be at right tackle. Had a chance to talk to him a couple times last week. Uh, they did a temple night at the Phillies, got to talk to him Monday night. Uh, you can check out that interview there. And then he spoke again to reporters on Thursday. Uh, a guy I know that you know Adam really well. We had him on the podcast before. He's always a great, great interview. David Martin Robinson back at tight end. Jordan McGee at linebacker. And then Darian Varner, who told us he slimmed down by about, I think, like 15 or 20 pounds. And yeah, he looks thin, thin on his Instagram videos. He yeah, looks, he does. Yeah. And they've moved him outside. He's going to be playing more defensive end now. But, of course, with almost every team, one of the big stories is going to be a quarterback and, and Stan Drayton talked about how on Thursday, last Thursday, when we talked to him, we talked about how Dwan Mathis has responded uh, pretty well so far at a competition with the addition of Quincy Patterson, who had started off playing at Virginia tech and then at North Dakota state. And, uh, you know, talked as well about how, you know, there's a possibility that they they could add, you know, some, some packages there where Quincy Patterson can really run the ball. And of course, Quincy, I'm sure wants to improve on his throwing and, uh, I wanted to play this clip for you here. This is this is Stan. Uh, you know, I asked him about you know how Dewan has reacted because I think if anything, Stan just to kind of set this up, he's been pretty honest. You know, the day that he was announced as as Temple's head coach, you know, he he we he was in a scrum of reporters and he said, you know, I kind of have to. And I'm paraphrasing when I say this. You know, he said I kind of have to find out where Dewan is. You know, he said he was going to enter the portal, and if I'm correct, I don't think he ever officially entered the portal and then decided not to enter it and decided he was going to stay at temple. And, you know, he said to us at the time, I kind of have to see where his head is at, what made him think about wanting to get into the portal. And then it was pretty obvious during the spring, you know, I think it kind of went beyond coach speak, you know, Adam, you know, this, if, if, if guys like us are talking to him, unless you've got somebody who is really just ironclad, you know, you always want to say, Hey, there's competition at every position, but it was, it was clear that 
they maybe weren't seeing what they needed to see out of the quarterback competition. They said, we want to add some depth there. They did add some depth there in Quincy Patterson. So when I asked Stan on Thursday about how Dewan has reacted to that on how it seemed like he's reacted favorably to that, this is what, what Stan uh, told us. Did you see that evolve with Dewan? Because I remember the day you took the job, you were asked about him and you were pretty honest. You were like, yeah, he came into the portal and he like thought about getting back into it and decided he was going to stay. And we kind of have to see what's at the heart of that all. Like, can you just kind of talk about how you've gotten to know Dewan over that time? And if you're saying like there's camaraderie in that room, is that something that's evolved? Like, how have you seen him respond to specifically to bringing in more competition? Yeah, he's, a, he's day one I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who has developed confidence and, and trust the people around him, talking teammates in that room to help him with his development, you know. I don't know what Dewan was prior to me being here. All I know is what he is now. And, uh, you know, he's grown tremendously in the sense of uh, having more confidence in himself, uh, earning the trust of the players around him. You know, he's uh, stepped outside of his comfort zone that way to make sure that the players around him can trust him. You know, and I thought that was huge. And to see him uh, one day during the course of a a, a workout, stand up in front of the team and, and say those words like, hey, I'm a guy that you can trust. Uh, that was huge. That was something that uh, he is not comfortable doing, but he's becoming more and more comfortable doing that, which is an indication that he is growing and developing and maturing. And, you know, I think the sky's the limit right now. And so, so, Adam, you've, again, you've, you've played the position. You've been around a lot of guys. You got to be around uh, you know, Dewan a little bit when he was coming in. And we've talked a lot about, of course, you know, the the level that he was recruited at, ends up at Georgia, gets the job down there, lost the job, transferred to Temple, had, you know, brain surgery in between. And um, yeah. so he certainly had a, I don't even want to say a unique path. He's unique in that not too many guys have to have brain surgery, but he's been through a lot. And there's a lot of attention, uh, you know, put on him now. Um, I know you're not on Stan's staff now, but like, what, what do you, what do you think of when you hear that clip from Stan again, knowing that there's plenty of football left to be played in August before they even get down, you know, to play at Duke. But when you hear Stan talk about how Dewan has reacted to competition, what, what do you, what do you think of when you hear that? What's your reaction? Yeah, I think, I think when you, when you hear what he said and you know, you play the quarterback position, sometimes quarterbacks, like I would tell at my time at Temple, you know, Russo and Toddy and Trad and, you know, even PJ at times, you know what I mean? But, like, sometimes you – and you heard Stan say it, you got to get out of your comfort zone. I think all of those guys were great leaders and they led by example. But sometimes there has to be a voice of your offense. There has to be a voice of your team. And when we were playing, there was always a voice on defense with Tyler Medikevich and, and those guys on defense. There was always a voice – and a guy that can be heard. And sometimes when you play quarterback and somebody speaks, it just, you know, went in one one ear and out the next because people knew that, you know, this guy is just doing this because, you know, someone told him to do it. Not because, you know, deep down he believes it or deep down this is kind of who he is. So, you know, you heard Stan talk about confidence, trust, you know, out of his comfort zone. You know, that's like they want him to speak up. You know, at his position he has to say something. And, um, you know, I was talking to Toddy. I told, told Toddy this all the time, like, you have to say something. It doesn't matter what you say. They're going to listen to you. 
because they see the, the 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 amount of work that you put in, they see the things that you do, they see the grind. I think that's when you know with the, when I was with with the one initially when he was there, it was like he was doing those things. He was there early, he was there late. He had a voice, and then I don't know what happened towards the middle or towards the end of that, where it necessarily wasn't that way. Um, but I'm sure, just like I said, it's the, just him figuring out what leadership really means and what the staff is looking for from from their guy. Because, you know, it's going to have to come from the quarterback position this year. This quarterback room as a whole has to be successful, whether it's DeWan or another guy or a group of guys. Um, so, like I said, I think it comes down to leadership. And I'm sure those guys are pushing each of those quarterbacks to to have a voice because they're going to listen to you 99% of the time, you know what I mean? Because they know the type of work that you put in. And it seems like he's, from what Stan said there, that he's really putting in the work and the time and the effort. And um, that's a big thing when you're, when your teammates see that. It may sound like the obvious question, but and again, we haven't, we haven't talked to Duong yet, but if you hear Stan Drayton saying something like that, is that just a byproduct of, you know, maybe Duong Mathis just, getting more time with the staff and kind of feeling like, all right, I've been through a lot of, you know, transition in my life and in my football career, but I've spent some time around these guys and they have my back and now I feel comfortable with them. You think that's part of just the natural progression? It could be. Yeah, yeah, it definitely could be. Um, I think anytime you have a new staff and you have a quarterback that's um, not necessarily on the fence, but you try to reel him in and kind of figure out what he's really about. And maybe that was what the one needed. You know what I mean? Not saying that the previous guys that, that I was on staff with did it, um, but maybe that's what he needed. Some of the real men spend more time with them, or you know, maybe there was one thing that the quarterback coach said that kind of clicked for him, like okay, or something that Coach Drayton said that kind of clicked for him. It was like okay, I gotta, I I gotta finally uh, open up now, give these guys my full trust, so that you know they they believe in me. I believe in what they're doing. Now we have to get the, our teammates to believe in the both of us. Um, so that could be it, though, John. I mean, you're probably you're probably right on it. Another another thing I wanted to talk to you about, and again, just for, for all of you as listeners out there, you know, hopefully we'll be able to knock out an episode a week now as things get ramped up. And I'll be talking to Adam about, you know, what I see. Although, the, you know, we've explained this before and I get why coaches do it. And I'm sure, Adam, you can probably appreciate it as a player. You know, we probably will not see – that much uh that much of practice you know the way it's it's going to work is uh you know we'll have like i said our next media availability will be this friday um at the end of practice there's post-practice availability um i'm sure that we'll i'm gonna guess that we'll see maybe the uh first 15 minutes last 15 minutes they're not gonna give away the store to us and uh so we can see all the practices in an open setting, but, you know, we'll be talking to coaches and players again. Uh, we didn't talk to players in the spring, but we'll be getting a, a full tour of all the assistant coaches. Like I said, this Friday, we'll get Stan, we'll get Danny Langsdorf, we'll get DJ Elliott, Adam Shire. Uh, we'll get the position coaches like Jafar Williams, Jules Montanar, Chris Wiesahan, uh, Antoine Smith. We'll, we'll start getting some players during the week of August 15th and, um, you know, I'll be relaying what I see and asking Adam to to react to some stuff and some of the stuff that that we've written. But, you know, one of the other, you know, again, when you're coming off a coaching change, it's because either someone was really successful and left and or because they weren't successful and left. And and Rod Carey's case, the team went three and nine. There was a change there. And and obviously one of the most common complaints and, and I get it and I understand it was 
that there was a drop off in, in special teams play. And and Adam knows what things were like when Temple was really humming and really just, you know, clicking on all cylinders. And, uh, you know, sure, a lot of programs talk about this, but, you know, Temple really made its mark on special teams. And you think of the guys who affected the game in that way and how, like, you know, Tyler Matikavich kind of earned it, you know, obviously played a lot of football right away, but, you know, some of the best players played on special teams, guys like Shreve Finch were blocking kicks and uh, going after kicks. And, uh, and then I don't know how else to say it, Adam, and I want want you to react to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, it just seemed like, uh, I want to talk about this and then we're going to play a a clip because I asked Stan Drayton about this specifically um, to, to kind of just uncover an old wound here. It just seemed like, Rod's philosophy seemed to be like, let's just not mess up on special teams. Fair catch the ball if you got to fair catch it. Let's not give up a lot of returns. Let's not pick up a 15-yard penalty because we rolled into the, the punter's leg. And it just seemed like, don't break anything in the store. Just keep things steady. But obviously, it didn't, you know, didn't really work out that way. Ed Foley, you know, going down to to work with Matt was a huge loss. And again, you know this; you lived it. It was it was a big thing. Am I am I reading that wrong? And can you explain why? And I think we've maybe talked about before. Why do you think the previous staff was so cautious about it? you spent you you spent some time? You know, you you mentioned this. You spent some time with that special teams unit. And mm-hmm. um, can you kind of take fans into like what it used to be like? And then we're going to play this clip from Stan Drayton. He says, hey, fourth down's an important down. It sounds like at least from what they're saying, actions speak louder than words. sounds like they're going to reverse that trend of really prioritizing special teams. And am I being fair there? Or was that kind of just the approach yeah. of the previous staff? I think, I think, it's, a, I think it's a mixture of both. That's probably the easy answer because I can't sit here and say that we didn't put the time and effort in as, as, as a staff, right. even myself, like I was part of the special teams, you know, we were in the meetings and, mm-hmm. you know I mean? You're, you're, you're kind of, it's a, it's a staff kind of thing. Um, I think we were successful at Temple and I, I wrote this as you were typing. I'm like, our best players played on the special teams unit. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, if I'm ever a head coach, that is the sacrifice that the players have to make. Mm-hmm. The players have to make that sacrifice. And if they don't, then again, you're going to have freshmen. You're going to have redshirt freshmen that are running down on kickoff against the best return man in SMU. And they're, you're going to need them to make a play while you take, you know what I mean, your minute and a half rest before you get back on the field. If they run one back, guess what? Yeah, it's on the special teams coach and the head coach for – but, I mean, if your best guys don't want to play special teams or don't have it in them to play special teams, then there's an issue because – they're all going to go to the NFL and be special teams players. Everyone right. in the NFL, all, all 30 guys right now that we're in training camp, besides the quarterbacks, are playing special teams. Mm-hmm. And minus a couple guys, you know what I'm saying? But, like, you know, Tyler did his – made his money playing special teams. Sean Bradley. And you just go – Sean Bradley's making his money. Chappelle's making his money playing special teams. I mean, you can go up and down. Uh, Kirkwood's still playing special teams. Sam Franklin, champ. I mean, you can go up and down the list. And those guys were the ones that play special teams for us when we were successful. So – whether there's a depth issue, whether there was, hey, I don't want to get our guys hurt. You know what I mean? I told you before, like, we had a draft, essentially. Like, who's who's going to run down our, our kickoff team? And, you know, you had 10 coaches drafting who they wanted, and it was literally, like, every anybody but the quarterback. And uh, probably, like, a nose tackle. But it's like, hey, we're going to pick the best guys, and they're going to go down there and get the job done. So when you get back to, to Rod's theory of 
you know what I mean? Don't don't mess it up if you know I mean you don't need to or don't you know what I mean break the I don't know how you mentioned it, but um that's pretty much kind of how it was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're probably not gonna return any case. We're gonna get the ball back to our offense, change field position. We're gonna do the whole, you know, locate the punt. You know what I mean? Hopefully we have a good off punt on the located here and there. We're not gonna go try to block any kicks and then we're gonna be successful just kicking some field goals and extra points. That's his philosophy, and that's you know what he did, and what you know what worked for him in other places, and we'll see what uh, what these guys do here now. All right, so we'll play. Uh, it's good insight and perspective there from Adam. Well, I, I asked Stan uh, about special teams um, on Thursday, last Thursday at Media Day, and just asked him to kind of chime in on that. And I said, you know, lethargic special teams play has been something that's kind of hurt this program. And here's what he said when I asked him about how they were going to approach special teams. After the spring, I mean, what, what's your philosophy on special teams? I mean, the, the program used to make its mark there, kind of lost its way there over the last few seasons, not just kicking and punting, but just being aggressive, coverage units and stuff. How do you feel about, like, your philosophy there, some of the personnel that you have there? And I know that some of that will flesh itself out over the next year. Yeah, four too. downs are critical down. Um, you get four of them, and special teams plays the fourth one most of the time. And it's critical, you know, and our best players will play, you know, uh, whether they're starters and or not starters. We're going to put our best available players on special teams. We're trying to win a game on special teams, you know. Um, so it's critically important. You know, it is a major piece. And um, our players have, I think, have already bought into that, the way they put the time in not only within their side of the ball, but they're putting the time in in off season to have better understanding of what's being asked of them schematically on special teams. We had a great special teams coach, and Adam Shire uh, is not his first rodeo at that. He's, he's put up some big numbers where he's been in other places prior to coming to Temple. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be an attacking style of play on special teams, and our players have embraced that. All right, again, Adam, I'm kind of like putting you in the, on the hot seat here. You, you've, you've been on both ends, but you've been a player, you've been a coach, you've talked to the media, now you're, um, you know, doing a podcast now. Um, again, actions speak louder than words that we got to see how they look in preseason camp. But actually, special teams might be some of the stuff that we get to see as reporters. Sometimes that's yeah, what, right. what they're working on when they when they let us in. Yeah. And even as reporters, and you guys will probably get sick of hearing me say this, if we ever tweet out updates, we will say, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but here's who ran out with the first team on this. Here's what the coach has called out, but you never know what's going to happen on game day. But hearing Stan say that, does it sound like a different approach to you? Does that just sound like coach speak? What do you, what do you make of that? Again, my easy answer is a mixture of both. I, I think he... He knows that, you know, last year wasn't a very successful year on special teams or the past few years weren't very successful on special teams. So he has to say that he's putting a premium on it. Now, who's in the room? You know what I mean? Are they really, really digging in? I did like what I hear when he said they're going to have um, a little more understanding on what's expected of them schematically. Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, hey, listen, like, you know, you do it on offense and defense. You don't just say, hey, listen, here's the R1. You're going to run down here into this lane and get blocked by this guy. Like, you're going to explain the whys of, of the special teams. I think that's a big deal. And then if you have some, you know, if you, you know your best guys will play. I'm, I was thinking about some guys like Todd Jones and Chris Smith and Charga and guys like that in the past years that, you know, were, were walk-ons that were really pivotal. Because it wasn't just, you know, the, the starters, you know what I mean? Like, there were obviously you have some guys that are really good special teams guys for us. 
Um, but then you look at like who's your returner going to be? Like, are you really going to? You see kick returns now, John. I mean, who's really returning kicks anymore? It's like everybody fair catches it. So yeah, you know what I mean. You're not, you know, it's closer. You're not, you know, your guys aren't going to get banged up anymore. Right. Like if I were a head coach, John, I, I kid you not. It's just me. It's how simple I would be. I'm gonna fair. I'm gonna fair catch every kick, every punt, mm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, fair catch every kickoff. And that way, I don't even need to work on those sides of the ball. Then just work on kickoff. I'm mean, work on kickoff. And if you have a if you have a strong leg kicker, you know what I mean, just kicks it out of the end zone every time you're good. And you can work on just literally blocking every single punt in the history of mankind. That's what I would do. I'd send the house every time, every type of mm-hmm. block I could, man. But um, that's probably why I'm not a special teams guy. Um, <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see that, you know, I mean, he's going to say like he says the right thing and we will see very quickly. Like I said, do we have a return man that's going to be electric? You know, the Isaiah Wright of the world. Um, that'll be a key. Like, I'll always love trick plays, man. Like I could just, oh, man, I would I'd run a trick play every single freaking time if I could, man. But those things are all always cool. They just bring more energy to the you know, when you get in there, you're just running down, you're getting blocked by double yeah. team. You have to break a wedge. I'm like, oh man, I couldn't do this all day. So, mm-hmm. well, that's what I was, that's what I was going to ask you because again, you do make a very fair point. But the game, with the way the game has changed, you know, it, it's easy as a fan or even as a reporter to say they got to do this, they got to do that, they got to be aggressive. But the, your your opportunities to be aggressive now are not they're not the same as they were before. But you kind of you answer my question there, but the one thing you can do is kind of sell out and, and go after kicks or um, there's that piece of it. And I was going to ask you, how do you get, how do you get guys excited about it? Can it just be as simple as like, you know, like in the past, like a, a Nick Sharga or somebody just going down and just lighting somebody up and then guys, do, is it kind of like a seeing is believing thing where guys are like, wow, mm-hmm. it really did look at what that tackle did on that return they had mm-hmm. to start at their own 15 and that flipped the field for us. And then we scored on the next drive and that changed the course of the game. Is it just a thing where like a guy has to make a play and then you look at it on film and you say, wow, playing on special teams can be cool. can be fun. can be meaningful. Is that kind of just, does somebody have to make a play to kind of ignite things for the next? I think play? that's, I think that's a big deal. I think even before that uh, we've had guys in the past speak to our team about the importance of special teams. I think, that goes only so far. Now, I love the idea. I love the idea of having a former Temple Owl NFL guy, a couple of NFL guys talking about how important it really is. And then I would show the clips. You know, we would have we would show clips of like Lamar McPherson. You remember him running down a oh, kickoff yeah. and just annihilating guys. And it's like, well, hey, buddy, like, this is your job, Sharga. You see him right here? That's your job. Or we'd see... I don't know who the guy would be back in the day. You know, even Jaquan and them dudes would run down on kickoff. And it's like, you know, or Nate Hairston would be off the edge, just chopping down a guy on return right. And he was the left guy. But you kind of just show these NFL guys doing it at Temple, showing them like, hey, they're still in the league because of what they did right now. And that's like the first part of it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, this is this is who they are. This is what they did here. And this is where they're at now. And then when you find the guys that fit into those molds, of that, that position, then you need one of those guys and a couple of people that we used to work for never used to like the same, but when you had someone make a play that does bring energy, that does bring a little bit more passion. It's like, who's going to make the next one? Who's going to prepare the best to make the next one? Whose turn is it, you know, to change the game, you know, because at the end of the day, special teams, 
does. You can change the game in one play, just like any other side of the ball. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what, what kind of premium he does put on special teams and how aggressive they really will be. One last question for you before we close things out with the mailbag here. And I know that you could you could look at this on either side of the ball too, on offense or defense when you're looking at film. It's always like, if you did this differently, the game turns out differently. But like, if you were in special teams meetings in the past, did, how many like of those meetings were you part of where there were those aha moments where it's like, hey, you know, player X here, if you had oh, sealed up, if you had sealed off your block, every game, John, every he, game, he's gone. One I remember, guy. I remember Al. Uh, Al Golden, I think it was in his first season. I think it was after one of his weekly press conferences. And he's like, JDC, get get over here. Do you want to watch a little bit of film with me? I was like, mm, yeah, of course. And he brought me in. I think you guys had just, I think you guys had just lost to Kent State. It was one of the Mac games. And he was showing me how close he was like, this is how effing close we are. Can you see? He was like, can you explain to me? And I honestly, I'm not trying to protect the guy's identity. I don't remember who the player was. He said, can you explain to me what the hell he is doing right here? and why he didn't do his job. And I kind of laughed. I was like, I don't know. He goes, but can you see how close we are? And he's like, I'm sure it sounds like BS when I talk to you guys every week. He's like, if we make that block here, the game changes. And that's why like, it's it's fun for us. Any film we can get our hands on, we can see it. But I thought, I'm sure this happens more often than not. But you were just saying, you can you can find plays like that every week. Like every week. someone had just sold out on special teams and done what they were supposed to do. Yeah. It just happens more often than we would think. And I mean, that's an understatement. It's literally every single play. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, if you're running this certain scheme up front, or the quarterback throws it when he's supposed to throw the football, yeah. or you know, what I mean, there's a double team block, but the guy gets split, and everybody else holds their block, but the guys that were double teaming this one guy didn't make the block, and it would have been a touchdown. It's probably like I don't know, ten times a game at least, if not more. It's like, just what if, you know, we would watch tape sometimes. We'd be like, all right, this is the what ifs, you know what I mean? And as a staff, we'd sit there and be like, if he did this, this is what happens. Um, but you, as a staff, you don't want to necessarily crush your players by doing that. But, man, does it happen all the time. And it's just, mm-hmm. that's what's so cool about football, though, because that's why, you know, I mean, all 11 guys have to be on the same page at the, yeah. you know, at the same time. And it's not like, hey, NBA, one guy can just take over. It's like. Running back, okay, you're the best running back in the world. You better have these five guys blocking for you and those other guys, you know, on the edges blocking for you and, you know, the quarterback making the right check and then then you're successful. You know what I mean? Unless, you know, Barry Sanders is probably like the only one that's <laughs> didn't need everyone blocking for him. He was just making guys miss. But um, it's crazy. That's why game football is so cool because you need all guys to majority of the time to be on the same page to be successful. Yeah. So let's uh, let's close things out with the mailbag here. We have a few mailbag questions here, um, and these are some good ones to get us started. These these came in from Twitter. Uh, the first one comes from the Twitter handle Temple Fan Al. Question is: Can Adam knock on Pitt um, Pitt's AD's door and tell them to schedule us in the football in football and basketball? <laughs> Thanks. They've been they've been ducking us for years. So uh, <laughs> I actually uh, I've been training our guys at Demichael Brothers Performance with. Um, a former Pitt legend and NFL player. And, you know, now he's a co-host on 93.7 The Fan here in Pittsburgh, Doran Dickerson. Yeah. West Allegheny, um, right? Yeah, West A, man. He's he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal coach. And he's doing so much stuff for, you know, the Pittsburgh area. And he he wanted to to kind of collaborate a little bit and, you know, come train some receivers. And um, I'll have to reach out. And then even Bill Stahl, who played quarterback for them. You know, yeah. we've been talking recently 
and maybe you know we'll, we'll get something together, me and him, and you know train a couple quarterbacks together at some point. But I'll reach out to those guys and um see what I can come up with. I remember the last time that, that I was wasn't even coaching yet. Whenever you guys, whenever Temple came, you guys, whenever we came to Pittsburgh, my hometown, I remember watching that game uh, at Heinz Field. That was the one Heinz year. Field. Yeah, that was the mm-hmm. one year where they were in the in the Big East. Well, yeah, so I came. Yeah. I remember. I remember watching that game. It was, I think, it might have been a rainy one too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But yeah, I remember seeing a couple former players, guys that I was uh, teammates with, still playing there. So I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Can't make any promises, man. Get a, a meeting with, I guess it's Heather. I, hopefully, I'm pronouncing her last name right. Heather Like. Like. Yeah. Like. So, so um, we'll see. Temple fan <laughs> out. Can't promise you anything. Obviously, it's always cool to you know, keep an eye on the non-conference schedule in the years to come. But yeah, I mean, that would be a fun, fun rivalry to, uh, I can't even say resume because it's not like Temple and Pitt have played a lot in Mm -hmm. years, but uh, yeah, I can put that on your to-do list, Adam. Uh, Next question here comes from a buddy of mine, Ray Don, a recent Temple graduate, uh, was really heavily involved in our student media outlets. And Ray is actually going to be working um, now at 97.5, the fanatic in town. Uh, So he's got a good question here. Ray says, which position group are you most excited for this is an interesting one because again there aren't they really only have in my humble opinion a couple of positions that you would really consider solidified and that's not shocking for a team that's coming off a a three and nine season adam are you in particular any position group that you're excited for here yeah probably the easy one is quarterback obviously but i'll skip that i'd love to see i mean you might be on the same page who's going to take over the running back position i think you have a little bit more to say but I'm curious to see what happens in safety um, because I think you have, you know, Cam, a corner, and then you have uh, the heck's his name. I just Keyshawn Paul. KP, you know, a corner and a couple other guys. But I'd like to see what they do. You know, I had some young guys playing last year at safety, but it'll be curious to see. And you obviously have a couple older guys there and a couple of transfers, but, you know, who takes the lead? Because you need you need some guys back there that um, not necessarily played a lot of football, but, you know, they're the quarterback of the defense essentially – you know, guys that can either, uh, you know, can 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 cover and guys that can, you know, get in the box and, you know, make some tackles and make sure that, you know, nothing, you know, gets past them and no big plays happens. I'll be anxious to see what happens in, you know, those two safety positions. Yeah, I think for me, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe – well, I mean, Stan talked about how, hey, you know, we need uh, – he kind of casually mentioned, you know, on Thursday we're still trying to figure out – you know, who our lead back is, you know, who's going to run the football, you know, um, I, I would say it's safety. I, I would agree there. Like there's a guy like Deshaun Winston, if he can, if he can stay healthy, does he start to kind of flash the potential that you think he has at, at running back again? Does it, does Darvon Hubbard or uh, Ed Sadie or, or a Trey Blair, um, do they, you know, do they get something done for you there? Can somebody flash, can you find some sort of, you know, committee there. Um, and again, that will, that will kind of flesh itself out uh, camp. I think another one for me that I'm excited for is like kind of finding out like, who's that next, who's that next good pass rusher. Is there, mm-hmm. is there a, um, is there an Arnold Debichetti on this team? Is there a Quincy Roche on this team? A guy that just developed and, you know, he finally, you know, he finally, finally flash, you know, finally got his, got his chance and, and just really developed. And, uh, you know, we mentioned, um, 
at the outset of the show that, that a guy like Darian Varner has dropped some weight and he's down to like 260 now and he's moving outside. And obviously DJ Elliott's scheme, uh, you know, I, I asked Jordan McGee about this, you know, he's got like these simulated pressures. He's known for that. And you talk about having three or four guys and you don't know where the fourth guy is going to come from. So maybe that that's next scary. great pass. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, obviously if it, if it works out well for them, it gives that defense an identity. So maybe that next great pass rusher isn't necessarily, um, you know, like your standard defensive end. Maybe it's like one of those overhang type of guys at linebacker. So we'll see, but like, who's that next guy that's going to really affect the game in that mm -hmm. way. I would say that's, uh, you know, you can kind of, as a reporter, go in as a blank slate with a new staff, and you could say almost every position battle you keep bringing your eyes on. But those are a couple that I would think of. Um, last one here. This is this comes from uh, uh, another friend of ours on Twitter, Drew uh, Hashimura, uh, chimes in on Twitter with this question. There are a lot of needs. There were a lot of needs during the offseason. What needs were and were not addressed on and off the field? Again, I think the short answer here is, you know, talk to us and – September or the earlier mid stages of September or at the end of the season. But I don't know, Adam, you have a, you have a sense of part of this roster that you used to see before and you look at what they did in the off season. Do you think there, there were needs that they addressed and needs that they might still have? I think as an outsider looking in, even whenever um, I was coaching, I always felt like, you know, you need a good offensive line in this league to be mm -hmm. successful. And I think, just having Coach Weiss come in was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and then you have a ton of transfers that from all kind of different schools that will help the guys that were already there and just build more competition. So uh, I think that you have more competition at the O-line, in the O-line room, and um, I think that'll be a big deal. Um, but that's the one that's, to me, man, I mean, if you're going to be successful in this league and in college, you're going to have to have an offensive line that can move people. Yeah. That's just my, my little opinion on it. Yeah. And um, and we'll talk more about Adam Klein in the coming weeks. And Adam, unless you know things could change, but Adam's going to be at right tackle, which I think would mean that they they feel pretty good about Wisdom Quarshi. Now in the spring game, we could probably have another conversation about that. Like, what do you actually make of a spring game? There's always some stat hero and a stat goat in the spring game, and and usually neither one of those numbers really kind of endures. You know, I can come up with a list of players who played really well in the spring game and didn't play out and then some guys who make mistakes in the spring game and that doesn't mean that they're doomed but you know the center quarterback exchanges were a problem they had to shift them some things around the line that day but you know you make a great point about the line if you kind of know what you're getting in adam klein adam klein a lot of the guys look like they're in better shape and they've they tip their cap to chris fenelin and the new strength staff and they seem to be getting some rave reviews so far but We'll have to keep an eye on the on the interior of the line. You you could feel pretty good with Adam Klein and Isaac Moore at tackles. Not that those guys can't improve, but I think that's a you know that's an area where you say did they address some of the depth on the line? I think you know as you said, bringing Wees back is is addressing a need in and of itself there with the staff. Um, if I had to take another shot at this in terms of needs, I mean, even if you were looking at special teams, you know Adam Shire you know, did some good things as a special teams coach in the past and he's liked rugby style punters. So I think he, it seems like he got his guy and a guy like Mackenzie Morgan out of the transfer portal. We'll try to talk to him. Uh, I'd say maybe you address the need at receiver, you know, uh, a guy like Adonica Sanders, who they're, they seem to be pretty high on as a transfer coming out of Georgia tech. Um, mm -hmm. He helps the receiving core. And um, again, maybe a need that they didn't address 
maybe, I don't know, again, it's all such a crapshoot at this point. Maybe they didn't, maybe they don't get or haven't gotten yet like a surefire stud transfer. Maybe it is Darvon Hubbard. Maybe Darvon Hubbard out of Texas A&M just needs some time, but I kind of get the sense that they're still looking for that guy. You know, nobody really carries it. Unless you're Derrick Henry, like 25 times a right, right, game right. anymore. But do they have that bell cow back? We don't know. Can a guy like Jakari Norwood, the transfer from Illinois, truly really add some speed there? He's not going to join the team until until this week. So um, at least on paper, maybe that's a need that they – I'm hesitant to say that they didn't address it because they did try to address it in the, in the portal. We just really won't know. I mean, it's a great question to ask. We just won't really know until we start talking to coaches, particularly after scrimmages and see what they give us and how much they're willing to kind of divulge. But um, that's part of the fun of, of covering camp. And we'll see which needs are met. And of course, we'll really see once we get into that, that first month of the season. So thank you all again for, for tuning in as the, as the calendar turns to the, the second season of the podcast here, really thrilled to do this without. And once again, a, a reminder uh, that the believe in temple football podcast was brought to you by bet online if you're interested in sponsoring the Believe in Temple Football podcast, if you want to grow your business through the podcast and uh, out here in the Philadelphia area, out in the Pittsburgh area where Adam is, hit us up. Let's talk. But uh, Adam, thanks for doing this again, buddy. Good to good to see your face again and talk to you. And uh, looking forward to another season with you. Likewise, man. Let's uh, let's stay healthy. Let's get this thing rolling, man. I'm, I'm fired up. I know you are too. So we'll, we'll we'll catch up soon, brother. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.